0: CSU Stanford, 9.1 FM. I'm Mark Molno. This is the Henry George Program, show all about transportation, housing, and equity. Today, the program, we're down to Southern California. Alex Contreras, from Downey, California, is here to talk about her organizing efforts to prevent highway expansions, which will displace many, many people in her community and beyond. get into this well some history and more about what's going on down there but without further ado uh, yeah let's uh, just do it so welcome alex thank you so much for coming on here to talk about this
1: no thank you for having me mark i appreciate it
0: yeah i mean this is it's something which i don't know if, if maybe i'm spoiled in in the bay area i i you know highways such an ugly history of you know just destroying communities and just being counterproductive and you would think yeah, there's exurban highway projects happening and Cincinnati is dealing with stuff. I mean, I know that from like uh even at the moment, but like you would really hope California has moved beyond like inside city, you know, displacement directly through highway expansions. But this is still happening now. It's just it's it's if you're gonna read about but why don't you for people who haven't fought any of this stuff, just drop them in. What's happening in Downey? What what's going on in LA County?
1: Yeah, uh, so for people who are just tuning in, my name is Alex. I grew up and live in Downey, California, and right now the city is facing a potential freeway expansion that would take over 200 homes. We're not entirely sure of the amount yet, but it will also bulldoze through an an elementary school that I attended growing up, Unsworth Elementary, and it would also bulldoze through a park, uh, Dennis the Menace Park. and unfortunately we don't know a lot about what's happening with the expansion because metro los angeles highway staff has been deliberately disobeying orders by the metro board and at, and they're supposed to meet with us the community uh, and community organizations like the one that i founded the happy city coalition to talk about what it is that we want to see in this project metro staff has completely ignored that order they have yet to meet with the community They've only presented their highway plans in a like less than I think ten technical meetings within the Gateway Cog, and the Gateway Cog. For those of you who don't know what that is, uh, there's a region called the Gateway Cities, which is stretches as far south as Long Beach as north as Montebello. I want to say, and it's all these cities that basically are the gateway into the city of LA, and so it's that's like called two,
0: two million people in the southeast part of LA. Yeah, County. yeah, yeah. Two, and, well, yeah. And, and, and Downey's Downey's about hundred thousand. It's kind of a substantial portion of this.
1: Yeah, we're uh, we're about one hundred and ten thousand people right now.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, the cog, all these levels of government are just very hard. Like I, I was, you know, but the cog in a lot of ways, like who controls highways in California? Because that's a big question. Caltrans is the state department of transportation. In a lot of ways, is like they have final authority, as it were. But down in L.A., Metro has the budget to do these expansions. But then you have your, like, you know, council of governments. So the cities give advice, and there's a technical advisory committee, which gives advice to the committee to give advice to Metro to do it. It's, just, it's very hard to kind of see, like, what is happening, who's controlling it, and why. And I guess on top of that, too, is, like, people defer, like, oh, you know, it was decided at the ballot box. But like it, it feels like it just—it's almost a nightmare. In the fact that it's like this di- dispersed authority everywhere. Everyone's pointing figures, and then it just continues to chug along. I—I I, I just, how, how are you treating? Like, just like who is, how many people do you have to kind of like confront to deal with this situation?
1: So many, almost too many. Uh, here in Downey, um we went from having our city council not really saying anything about it to even some city council members writing open letters of support of the freeway expansion to once we raise a lot of noise within the city them reversing their decision and saying oh no no no, no we don't want this freeway expansion and then when it went from okay now we got our city councilors on board now we gotta go talk to the gateway cog and the gateway cog isn't the most democratic friendly uh, government board that we have because it's made up of Individual city councilors from across the Gateway, as well as city staff, and unfortunately, some city staff, like you, have some folks like the Downey Transportation Director Edwin Norris, who is very pro-car, who is basically sitting on this advisory board, being like, "Well, we can't, we can't really give space on the road to like bicyclists or anything else. It's just not feasible or a productive use of our time." So you have people like that who aren't even elected, uh, with their own personal opinions and willful ignorance of what cars on the road do actually do to our communities, advising the Gateway COG, and then the Gateway COG gives their advice to the Metro board. And then the double layer of the Metro board is that our the person who represents us is also our LA County supervisor, Janice mm. Hahn, who mm. also sits on the Metro board. So then we're talking to Janice Hahn's staff, just being like, hey, This is who we are. We are not in support of this freeway. This is what we want to see happen instead. Uh, And there's all these layers of bureaucracy and government that we're basically trying to wrangle cats at some... It kind of feels like. Because we get Janice Hahn's office saying, well, this is what we're hearing from the gateway cog. And it's like, well, you know what? The gateway cog? Let's talk about that. And then the gateway cog is saying another thing. It's It's a little infuriating at how much at how much there is being talked about with absolute zero transparency and that co- communication to the general public. Like if you're not tuned into what we're doing or the fight and if we sometimes ourselves tune out for just a second things happen and we have no idea what or why. There is no sort of open source of communication between Metro Los Angeles and the community or between the gateway cog and the community and even between city councils across the gateway with their own communities. And yeah, on our end it's pretty frustrating because we're trying to organize in a variety of different cities to form this coalition, the happy city coalition to shut down this freeway expansion.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I only kind of jumped in this one meeting of the, of the cog technical advisory committee and I mean, so there's obviously a lot more going on, but I feel it was a taste. And you kind of see just going in there, like there's a lot of kind of wider affluent cities and a lot of cities that, you know, that aren't so white and so affluent, but the white affluent cities seem like they're calling the shots. But even, even this vote, in the vote last week, was about reaffirming support of the highway program. It was very kind of high level. And it passed, it, uh, everyone in attendance said, yeah, you know, yes. Just just really, like, it was, in, in public comment, a ton of people making all these kind of, you know, statements against it, and they almost entirely just ignored it. But, you know, even as far as, like, who's affected, I'm just kind of curious, like, yeah, it's like, how is this blowing up in, 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 in Downey? Because, like, listening to Ed Norris, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a different way to say it, but I have no other word for it, which is just, uh, just as far as highways, just cucked because uh, he's like, he <laughs> he's not, he said like right there, it's like, okay, you know, nobody likes a highway in your backyard. No one likes the noise in the particulates. It's awful for your health. You know, I have a highway, my front yard. I don't like it, but we have to admit it's necessary. <laughs> it's just like, oh geez, what is going on here? It's like, just so, like in every, like every part of this, I feel like literally I'm like w- listening to something, watching something from the eighties, you know, it's like, it's for people in 2021 to talk about the only way forward is highway expansion. It f- just feels archaic now, and I just don't know. Like, I mean, is because are, are, it feels like younger people know what they're up against, know how regressive it is. But uh, it, yeah, just the the, the people, <laughs> the levers of power. I don't know, but I guess okay. So just to kind of go to square one, why are highways bad?
1: Yeah, let's talk about why highways are bad. I feel like a, a lot of people, uh, uh, when we do our educational outreach, people aren't always think. But doesn't this help with traffic? It's like actually, let's break down some larger concepts called induced demand. Uh, you can look at studies of the 405 freeway once they expanded it, how it traffic actually got worse down the line. Um, and so, for those of you who are not familiar with induced demand, I always tell folks you have an empty spot in your living room and. That's empty space, right? And you put a bookshelf there. And what happens with that bookshelf? It gets filled with books. Now, in That's the- a good
0: kind of induced demand. I don't really mind that so much.
1: <laughs> That's not so bad, but in this case, imagine the bookshelf is lanes. You take empty space and you put lanes for cars and cars only. So what gets filled up in that bookshelf? More 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 cars were there were none before. And it creates it it creates a demand for that particular thing. And so, when when you when we take our very valuable, very limited public land out here in Southern California, and you put it for car use and car use only, the only thing you're going to get is car use and car use only. Especially, I think it's so infuriating, especially since we're going through a housing crisis right now, uh, and people are overcrowded in living in overcrowded conditions, to hear like the gateway cog say, like, oh, but highway expansions are are necessary. Population is growing. And then have them at the same time deny housing to be built for the population that's growing, it's really infuriating on that end as well. Um that's a little sidetrack of why induced demand is bad. But that is also another bone I have to pick with the gateway cog. Um but yeah basically if you build it, they will come. And if we only build space for cars, like we're just going to get more car use, and that's why we at the Happy City Coalition are like, our whole goal is how do we build happy cities, and that looks different for every community, but at the end of the day, car-centered infra- car-focused centered car infrastructure and only car-focused infrastructure, you're limiting what you can do with your public space, and you're limiting the kind of people who get to use that public space.
0: Yeah, I think some people even kind of criticize the idea of induced demand, saying, oh, that's just demand. You know, this is just regular supply and demand. And it it's the same for transit, it's the same for everything. Everything kind of grows up in there's capacity. But I think the big difference is if you have, you know, a train that needs capacity, you can put more cars on. It's actually very relatively easy to put more people on a train. It's very easy to even like bus rapid transit, you know, throw a few more buses at it. But you know, L.A. and its highways. I mean, a lot of places highways, but especially L.A. It's you know, at normal time, just the amount of congestion everywhere. And then, like I, I remember, like just at the absurd times, like every time it's always like a, every year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Just people are literally parked there, like for like ten hours or something, getting out of town. It just, I mean, it is just, and there is like. And unlike, oh, throw, throw a few more cars at it, the only way it's like, oh, we have to throw $20 billion of expansions to make this 5% less bad. It's like, what are you doing here? I don't know. It's just it, just, it doesn't, it, it's, it's, it's a way of doing induced demand that just doesn't work at all. I don't know. Or dealing with this, with this, it's congestion.
1: No, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I think what it comes down to, also for me, what's frustrating is what is the quickest and easiest way to move around masses of people in an efficient in an efficient manner. It's not a car because a car is a single use occupancy vehicle. It's it's just for you and your family or just yourself, and that's it. That is not an efficient way of getting. If you're tra- if you're looking at the larger scheme of things, getting a lots of people from point A to point B, a car a car isn't it. You're going to need to look at buses, a, bu- a bus network. You can look at making sure that there's protected bike networks. You can look at light rail, heavy rail. There's all these things that we can be doing that will efficiently move masses of people from point A to point B. But for some reason, Metro Los Angeles is so hell-bent on making cars their way of getting people around that it's kind of like, what what is the purpose of your agency? Is it to build public projects that serve the needs and demands of cars or is it to serve and meet the needs of the community like what are you what is it that you're going to do
0: yeah i think you know as far as like maybe two prongs of the kind of political you know uh, addressing this is one is the cog because they affect like effectively are kind of the democracy bubbling up from the cities but the other one is is metro and metro as far as i understand they have the power of the purse they are funding Mm. these highway projects and a lot of people are criticizing their budget their budget uh, for the next year is eight billion dollars. Of the eight billion, 500 million is going to highway expansions and just highway projects. And you know I mean that's you know that's, that's less than 10% of their entire budget, but it's concerning that this uh, is, it's up 80% percent from the year before. and it looks like this trajectory is less money for transit, more for highways. And uh, I mean I guess that is part of how everyone's getting together, which is Metro change your budget and I guess Metro and a lot of people are saying, it's like, oh, this is this is out of our hands. It's all about, you know, can tax measures. Like, what is, what is this game plan and like how, like, can Metro change its budget?
1: Uh, Metro can. Um, they just voted to modernize their highway program. And so by modernizing the highway program, it allows for more flexibility of taking highway funds to use them on active transit projects. So active transit being like bike lanes, um, pedestrian improvements, as well as also other transportation things like uh, bus lanes. So if Metro wants that, they, they can move the numbers around a bit, especially since they just voted to modernize the highway program. But it kind of comes down to Metro. They hold the purse strings.
0: And, I, and effectively, because you were saying before, there is kind of a there is heads butting between Metro board, Metro staff. How does this how does this bubble up as far as the, the budget goes?
1: Uh, So actually a really great example right now is, I'm not the most well-versed in this, but I know that Metro directed uh, the Metro board. Uh, I know Bonin and Mike Bonin, as well as Holly Mitchell. And I'm so sorry if I leave anyone else out, but I know I just remember uh, their two statements about creating a fare-free pilot program and how... That was, like, the directive of the board, but then currently, right now, people who are writing Metro, they're getting told by by Metro, like, bus operators and other, and online, Metro hasn't exactly been the clearest. Like, oh, no, you, you still have to pay fares, or we're not going to collect fra-. It's just really unclear about what's rolling out. I, what I've noticed a lot is that Metro, the Metro board says one thing, and then the Metro staff is, tells the public, oh, this is what they actually meant and then reinterprets what the metro board said and and it's it's a problem and it's not and i don't i don't know what the metro board is going to do but if it were me you have to remove people from positions of power who are just intentionally causing causing these issues with the public and misinforming and misinterpreting what your directors are like there's that that's not there's no way to operate smoothly or efficiently if that keeps happening
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the main thing is, like, what is the goal of Metro? What is its trajectory? I mean, I would say, I think, especially people who are, you know, younger would treat this as, we need a radical mode change. We need less people in cars. We need to see a different world. And you're seeing all these documents, which just feel very much like they're, they are accommodating, like, the existing paradigm. And this is all, like, this one Metro document saying there is congestion on this 605. This congestion is a result of insufficient freeway capacity. It's just like, that is a very just-so story that gives you one solution and it says, like, well, we have no choice. We have to expand the highway for that. And, like, it just feels like I don't see any kind of space for, like, we need to get from here to there as far as just general how many people are using transit options instead of, you know, car options. As far as like a transformative vision, do you think Metro has energy to actually transform what they are looking as far as getting around L.A.? Or do you think that people are constrained by highway mindset?
1: Uh, I think it kind of comes back down to like Metro board versus Metro staff. Like I actually have a lot of great for the new CEO, Stephanie Wiggins. She did amazing work at Metrolink, and I'm really excited to see her bring her visions for public transit to Metro LA. But then you have people like the Metro Highway Chief, um, Abdullah Ansari, uh, basically using his position to publicly ridicule transportation advocates and community groups, uh, like uh, people like myself, and groups like the Happy City Coalition, and basically being like, I, we don't care about your one-minute comment cards, uh, I'm gonna do what I want to do, and just continuing to perpetuate at this point what I call willful ignorance of what highway expansions actually do, because I'm not yet a planner, that is what a profession I hope to end, but as someone who wants just to get into that field, even I know, someone who hasn't been educated in, like, transportation planning, in a formal setting, know what the effects of highway expansions actually do to communities, and here we have the metro highway chief. I'm sorry, publicly ridiculing uh, pub- uh, community advocates and community groups, and basically saying like, no, this is what freeway expansions actually do, and I'm going to do what I want, And like that. I don't. With people like that at the helm of certain programs, like the highway, as him as a highway chief, versus like CEO Stephanie Wiggins, I don't. I don't see Metro moving forward cohesively unless someone goes, and in that case. I'm sorry. In my opinion,
0: is like, can she fire him? How does this work? She can. Okay. Well, there's a there's a solution right there if you want to. I mean, I get. I mean, I mean, this is obviously something much graver. But like, I, I think like you look at like the L.A. sheriffs and like it's just unac- like, these are public officials, public resources, and like people are just accountable. They're cowboys and gangs, just kind of like saying like, oh, you can't touch us. You know, we're above kind of public accountability. And I guess it's, you know, I guess in, in this case, it's, uh I guess there is a path to be fired easily, but I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's very concerning. Like, I I, I have, a I believe in the possibility of a democracy in which we govern resources such as trans, transit infrastructure well for the public good. But, like, it does seem like in time you get all these unaccountable, you know, folks who just kind of like, oh, this is my domain. This is how I call the shots. And, like, sometimes it just, like... They can just uh, cow people like and just do do all this garbage for, for for decades.
1: That's kind of the, in some ways that can be the gateway cog because you have people who aren't even elected like Edwin Norris from Downey, the transportation uh, director, uh, coming in and advising these groups on what he personally believes. And it. Not necessarily in the benefit of the community. It's just what he believes and what he wants. And how is that okay? Like, how is that okay? He is not going to be held accountable by all these people who live along the freeway here in Downey if they potentially lose their homes. Like, how how are we going to hold him accountable for directly causing that? There's no way for us to do that.
0: So, as far as like Downey in general, like, what is the overall temperature? Because you're talking about active displacement of homes. You're talking about resources, schools, parks, everything like being destroyed for this highway expansion, like as far as like the city council, as far as the, po- the public, like, what, w- like, are there people who are just like, Oh, we have to kind of go with the times. This is, you know, th- we have no choice. And how many people are really, you know, mobilized against it.
1: Um, besides Enwin Norris, who's like, well, it's a necessary thing. So far, we have had City Councilor Sean Ashton, City Councilor Mario Trujillo, City Councilor Kathy Alvarez, who all met and agreed to sign on to an open letter that's going to be delivered to the Metro Board, basically saying like, hey, we want the staff to come meet with us. Like, there there has to be a community conversation about what we want. And then you have the Downey Mayor, Claudia Fermetta, who refuses to put her name on any letter because it's not an official downy paper. And then you have the mayor pro temp, Blanca Pacheco, who I ran against and unfortunately lost, who refuses to even meet with us. She Mm. won't even answer an email. Um, And so locally, it's just been this... It's been hard to make this a constant talk of conversation considering when Metro board presented, they want to start acquiring homes in 2025 that's in four years. That's not a lot of time for us to really shut this down if that's what they plan to do. And we had the most disappointing meeting with actually our representative Lucille Roboy-Allard where we reached out to her because, you know, the federal government is also what gives the purse strings to these projects. And her staff was just like, we don't understand where you got these numbers or where you got this highway thing. It's in the talks. And we were telling them, like, no, look, this is a presentation given by Metro to the Gateway Cog literally a week ago saying that they want to acquire homes in four years. Now, we want our representative to come out swinging against any and all freeway expansions, especially when it comes to allocating money for that in the federal budget. And they're basically said, no, that's not going to happen. And it was such an incredibly disappointing conversation that we had. And there's all these elements of government that play into the built infrastructure that is that makes up uh, cities across the U.S. And I, I feel like at, mo- at almost every single level of government, they're failing us. And it's incredibly yeah. frustrating to watch.
0: As far as eminent domaining these, is that technically done by Metro or is it technically done by the city or Caltrans? Like who actually pulls the trigger? Uh,
1: I believe it will be done... Actually, not entirely sure. I think it will be done by Caltrans.
0: That's why I would have guessed, because they have the, like, it feels like they're like the big god who oversees everything, and we're all, like, all these demigods are, 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 like, you know, fighting over stuff. Like, as far as just unaccountable power, like, there's no touching Caltrans. That's just how it feels, at least, as far as the politics go.
1: That's how it feels. Well, where Caltrans is concerned, I'm not entirely sure if they're completely untouched Untouchable, but we do have an ally in the fight. Caltrans District Director uh, Seven, the, the District Director in charge of District Seven, Tony Tavaris, uh has come out against the 710 Freeway expansion, basically saying, "Like, hey, we're not, we're not going to go through with this." And so that, for us at least, who are nervously watching the expansion of the, of potential expansion of the five, that was a huge beacon of hope because if Caltrans Seven, who's in charge, Cal- the Caltrans Seven District Director, uh, Tony Tavares, who's not a fan of the Seven Ten expansion. He's like, "No, we're not doing that." He might. We're hoping that he'll say the same thing about this. Um, and the Seven Ten fight has been going on longer since I've been alive. And yeah. this fight, yeah, I'm 27. That fight has been going on longer than I've been alive. And hopefully, this fight that we just we just started hopefully it gets shut down in a similar fashion um one thing about this project actually the expansion of the five has been planned since the early 90s but the only time my family ever heard about it and we live a stone's throw away from the freeway um we're not directly next to it but we it's not even a five minute walk and we're right you see the you could see the wall basically if you stand at the end of my street you see the sound wall um the last time my parents heard about any expansion was back in 2005. And there was a meeting at the at the elementary school that I attended uh, elementary because that was going to be directly impacted and then everything that my parents have heard about what the expansion is going on is through the news. Oh, the five freeways decades behind schedule and millions of dollars over budget. So they just assumed that the project got canceled since no one ever came to talk to them and it wasn't until I think uh, almost October of sometime in the summer of 2020 Someone had shared with me, hey, like, have you been paying attention to the Gateway Cog meetings because it looks like Metro LA wants to bulldoze in your neighborhood and they want to start the public comment supposed to be open for this freeway project. And according to the website, yeah, and according to the website, we were supposed to be in the middle of public comment about the freeway expansion. And I freaked because I was just like, what do you mean they're supposed to be in the middle of public comment about this freeway expansion when no one has heard that it's going through? And I remember calling my parents and being like, have you gotten a letter from Metro? Because you should have gotten a letter. If you got one back in 2005, they're like, no. we have." And I'm like, are you sure? They're like, yes. And it was this crazy wild sort of goose chase online at least, trying to get a hold of any information because the website hadn't been updated in forever about where the project was. Um, none of the information was like, was accurate and the gateway cog information also wasn't exactly the most reliable thing to go on so it was this crazy very stressful like 24 hour period of just like what is happening am i about to watch my elementary school the park that i grew up in and all my neighbors just be displaced because no one heard about this and no one, no one knew that we this was our opportunity to speak and no one spoke
0: yeah i mean it's in California, I mean, I rail against just the fact that it's so hard to do anything good because just the process is just stacked against anything happening between, you know, Sequa and the Brown Act and all these different it's 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 kind of a nightmare of process. But I guess the, the the consolation prize, the silver lining, is well, at least you don't get the bad stuff happening. At least it's hard to get the highway expansions. At least like this is th- that's dead in the water too. And I guess up in the Bay Area, it feels that way. It feels like nothing at least expands as much. But like that's scary. Like you you feel like that doesn't happen here in California.
1: No, unfortunately it did. I think I th- I think that was the most stressful one of the most stressful times being alive like ever. <laughs> just learning about this, reading this Gateway Cog report, and just being like. This is insane because my great-grandparents, they lived in Boyle Heights, and they they lived on South Pecan Street. And they watched as the street across from them get bulldozed for the one-on-one. And then my grandparents, uh, they also lived in Boyle Heights, and Metro LA seized their home via eminent domain to support gold line construction. But the gold line was blocks away from their house. Like... Mm -hmm. It was no this was not like construction that was happening across the street from him. This was construction that was happening blocks away from them.
0: Uh, and how and long ago
1: was that? This was in like 97, 96.
0: Well, what what happened like after after that after
1: They they took the house, um they bulldozed it down, they bulldozed this they bulldozed Bodie Street, which is the house that my dad grew up in and where my grandparents lived, and then Metro LA turned it into a super block of apartments.
0: Okay. Well, I mean I will say that I mean, as far as as far as impact goes if it is transit tr- you know transit expansion and and you know densification at least something good came of it but I mean but let's look at even when I something would push something back good I I I understand I understand yeah okay I would say but I my my kind of take is like well you got to crack a few eggs but it it really it's like you have to look at who which eggs do you crack every single time you know there's mm-hmm. a pattern here as opposed to you get like Beverly Hills protesting every kind of, you know, transit expansion and like, Oh, well let's actually slow down for them. But you know, other people's like, Oh no, let's get out of the way. But, uh, but that's my naive take. Uh, please tell me how I'm wrong.
1: (laughs) So I, I I was, I was going to, I would like to push back on that because uh, the thing was like my, 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 well, my grandparents at the time, my, my grandfather had had my, my grandpa, he, he just passed. Um, and then my, my grandma passed shortly after, and then at the same time, this was happening, like the, oh, they get the letter, like, we're gonna be, we wanna take, not we want to, we're going to take your house. Um, and it's just like, the, it's like looking back on it, I am three generations of the Contreras family that has been negatively impacted by the Metro LA not listening to community, and also Metro LA just doing whatever they damn well please in specifically communities of color of like yeah. for example Boyle Heights a very multi ethnic community Jew- large Jewish community large Japanese community large Mexican community there and then in Downey this area is predom- that is going to be impacted is predominantly a uh, low income lower not low income it's lower income than on the other side of the fri- on the other side of the 5 freeway and predominantly like multi ethnic latino and when you study the history of highway expansions all of this has directly and negatively impacted for the most part black and latino communities throughout ally county and only those communities well not only but mostly those communities and like i could understand the i with the housing back then in the in the 90s the housing crisis wasn't nearly as bad as it is here in 2020 but and so i understand like i understand like oh yeah house gets turned into apartments that that's that's like overall isn't that positive right but what was that choice made by the person who owned that or was it a choice made for them? I mean, and that, what, was
0: the, what was the experience like for, for them as this went through? Like, is this like, they just, like, how much time was it from, like, announced to, like, you're on the street, figure out what's going on? I feel like in a dignified place, stuff changes, but you take care of people as opposed to, like, stuff just happens to you. And that's clearly how things always happen here.
1: Yeah, this definitely just happened to my family. Like, this wasn't a choice. Um, I think they had a year. They had a year yeah. to basically figure things out. And that whole process actually caused s- some huge, huge family conflict. Uh, my dad is one of five siblings, and that caused huge conflict amongst the siblings about, like, what was going to happen, like, yada, 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 do we fight this, do we not? Um, and all that, and plus, like, my... my my grandma like my nana she her dying also in that same time period like was just an insanely stressful situation for my family and it's just like that is loss of generational wealth that our family could have held on to like my like my nana by all accounts was a very remarkable woman for her age and time and worked really hard to get that house and like that was like and that was like her sort of like my family is sort of like pride and joy. Like they got the house like that. That was a big thing. Um, and same for my great grandparents, uh, since they immigrated from my great grandma, immigrated from Mexico at the time. And then my gra- my grandpa also like followed her uh, after as well. Um, so like that was also like a big deal. And then so, like, so the they, got, th-
0: they got like a check for 1997 values of, of the house. Or? Yeah,
1: they got a check for the 1997 value of the house. And like well, right where, now, what do they
0: do afterwards? They they get something else, or did they like where they resettle? How?
1: My family, uh, since it's like five siblings, they all went their own ways. Uh, my uh, both my uncles, sat, one settled in South Pasadena, one settled out in Laguna Hills. Then my aunt, she settled in Santa Monica. My other aunt settled in Long Beach. And then my parents, they rented for a while, and then they eventually ended up settling in Downey.
0: Okay. But they all became. They all got back on that home ownership ladder.
1: <laughs> yes, through the okay. use of the GI Bill for my uncles, and through just regular old uh, predatory mo- uh, loaning schemes by the banks for the for my family.
0: Uh, like the history of LA, as far as like just looking at like 150,000 people displaced, predominantly lower income and minority neighborhoods, and all that. It's just a tr- you know, and this is the same thing everywhere. Cincinnati, it's like in the whole city itself. It's the black neighborhoods. You know, they treated. The highway program partly well so we need a highway, but largely just they were like you Burn know ju- yeah, just this you know slobbering over over the fact oh we can we can actually have a way to raise these black neighborhoods, just tear them to the ground, and it's just it's 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 almost every city you see this, and the scars last till this day, and on top of the too just talk about like who's affected by living next to highways uh, I was just like one of the stats and like some of the stuff you can go to uh what was the website uh, destructionfornada.com uh, and you know so some stats and videos and stuff in LA County 1.3 million people are 1000 feet from a highway that's that's pretty bad
1: that is a lot of people and a majority of these communities are also left of what was raised beh- raised behind like the black and latino communities here and the multi ethnic community like of Boyle heights and like we're the ones left with the impact of those of that the health issues like like my grandma um she struggled with alzheimer's and dementia and living next to highways has been shown like they've done studies to show that living next to highways that is a cause of alzheimer's and dementia and it's like wow i grew up a stone's thrown away from a freeway do i have to look forward to that in my future too does my dad too because he grew up he's basically grown up next to one his entire life is is that something that one gen like generations of mexican of of one mexican american family is like is, is that what we all have to look forward to because of like where we are and for people out there, well, like, why don't you just move? I'm like Housing, California, how have you not been paying attention? Like <laughs> like like have you not been paying attention to what's been happening here for the past decades in terms of like how housing is so scarce now that I cannot afford to buy the house that I grew up in?
0: Like Yeah. No, it's it's and like as far as it goes, like it's people can just like take the status quo of kind of arterial highways everywhere. It's like, oh, we work within that system as opposed to kind of this is an active threat to the health of our communities. We need to spin this down. It's not only, I mean, historically lead in the air is just one of the worst possible things you can do. The smog in L.A. is famous and continues to be. Like last year with COVID, people said it was the first time they could actually like see these views, you know, even with some smog mitigation. But then on top of it, uh, rubber particulates. EVs don't stop this stuff. Like, there is no good thing as a highway, you know, if there's cars going down it.
1: Yeah, I think one thing I, all, I hear a lot is also, but like, aren't electric cars like, how, but if we switch over to electric, I'm like, that's not going to stop the pollution, and that's not going to stop the problem that is auto dependency in our cities. Like, uh, like car dependency is economically limiting It limits economic mobility, it impacts our health in a variety of different ways, and it completely ignores large portions of the population who cannot drive for a variety of reasons. Um, And also, driving kills and maims us every year in terrible proportions, and everyone just accepts it as normal. Like, death by car is an acceptable thing here in the United States and yeah. it's not something that should be like it's not something that should be at all
0: yeah and it just i can i guess okay so here's a question you're talking about uh, uh was tony Navaras was was that the name
1: tony Tava- Tavares?
0: okay so you're talking about tony Tavares uh from from caltrans was actually like had like critiques of the 710 and i'm like I, I don't really i mean i've been to la only a handful of times but you know six oh five seven ten they're north south and you know five is a big diagonal but just in general like I'm surprised i always, i always feel like I thought Caltrans people all love highways like like and love every possible highway expansion well what what's what's his critiques
1: um so I feel like I read them and I'm trying to recall them I know honestly let don't, don't me
0: put you on the spot if like uh, i can i, yeah, I, I cannot can.
1: i cannot recall them to be honest i re, I remember hearing them and reading them. And also being present at that, uh, the Streets Blog LA article uh, about the conflict between Metro and Caltrans uh, was a really great article talking about how Caltrans had communicated with Metro, like, yeah, we're not going to be following through with this. Um, I think one of the critiques is also, like, the 710 corridor has some of the most unhealthiest, has some of the unhealthiest air in the country uh, that is primarily impacting Lower income and minority communities, and I think he, I think Tony Tavares said, like in good conscience, like we can't, we can't make this even worse. I think that's something what he said.
0: Wow, I would never expect someone from Caltrans to say something, you know, that like that commonsensical and 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 humane. Or I don't know, I have a, it seems I don't know. It's just that's that's good to hear, you know.
1: Yeah, I think, um, like the seven ten, I I live. So, Downey is also surrounded by highways, so the 710 borders us, and so does the 605, but the 710, uh, like, the issue is that the port is nowhere near the trains where they load the freight, so then you have to load the freight onto trucks that, again, takes it to, like, distributing centers all over the place, and the 710 is the main route, and so that's a big
0: problem. There are solutions. If you don't have the rail near the port, can't you bring the rail to the port? Like, seems like that's a good use of expansion of of resources.
1: Yeah, and you're going to piss off a lot of wealthier communities local to the coast if you try to do that.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's the thing about all these different... I mean, it feels like top-level view, It's as far as, like, intra-city fighting, the fact that you have people stuck in arterials who are suffering from the, 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 the health problems of, of closer access to highways. And then you have the more affluent cities, which are happily distant from it. That's no that's no coincidence. And I think what it comes down to, kind of like, where do you put development? Where do you put the kind of way of changing the city? I feel you would hope that the people stuck in the arterials, people stuck with, you know, kind of constant displacement would take on places of high resource and, and kind of places where you really should have more people in a clean you know, way of living. It's not like disrupt communities, but at the very least, don't push more and more strictly in arterial highway areas. But that's, I don't know. As far as it goes, it's it feels like LA and development and transit-oriented development and everything, it feels just very, it's slow going down there. What, what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, it's definitely slow going. I think a lot of it is due to, well, at least in, well, speaking of Downey, uh, city councillors just do not understand what decades of bad housing policy has led to. And they're more concerned with becoming the next, and I put this in quotation marks for people who can't see me, uh, me- Mexican Beverly Hills. They're more concerned with this exclusive uh, affluent sort of label that they want. but the reality is like we're nowhere near that. If anything, a lot of people are, are stuck, like my family now, we are in stuck in an overcrowded housing situation because the kids who grew up here can't afford to move anywhere. They're, and you have families moving in with families because of how expensive housing has gotten. Um, and they like the fact that their home prices are rising because it it means equity in some way for them. And they, they like the idea of keeping the neighborhood exclusive. But it's just like exclusiveness always comes at a cost and tour you. Downey wasn't even, if you were Mexican, you weren't even allowed to buy a home in Downey.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so it's just like you really want to hold on to this really racist uh, let, a legacy that was part of the found, foundation of the city. And for what? Like why why are you going to deny homes being built here for people of different backgrounds? of different economic backgrounds are able to afford to live by a rent. Like what, what's the purpose? And it just comes down to, in my opinion, personal, personal ignorance and personal greed and selfishness.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to like, you know, chalk too much up to like generational divides, but I, I think a part of it is younger people certainly aren't getting on that same homeownership ladder as you know, their, you know, parents and so on. It's not like everybody, especially, you know, based in your community, was able to, to invest in property. But I think young people are certainly saying, like, wait, you know, making exclusive expensive homes, this doesn't seem like a good policy outcome as opposed to affordability and sustainability. I'd rather have that to then, you know, homeowners making money. You know, it doesn't seem like that's, you know, in my best interest, at least.
1: Yeah, I think that there's definitely a bit of a generational divide. And I think also sometimes I wonder if older generations just truly understand how hard it is to live out here as as someone who's just younger like part of me like when i was when i was when i was still working i was making more money than my dad was raising a family of four Yeah. and here i am a single adult basically just taking care of myself and i have a less quality of life than my dad did growing up and i'm like how cost is that of living possible? cost <laughs> of living
0: really bites you it's it sucks
1: it does and, I'm, and it's something i just i just wonder sometimes I think when, I'm, when I was talking to my dad and my dad just automatically assumed that by me graduating college something that he never did that I was just going to be well set for the rest of my life he's like you're going to be fine you're going to be great I'm so proud of you this is going to you're going to live so better than I was when you have kids he's like you're going to be able to treat them so much better than I was able to treat you and like unfortunately like that's not what's happening due to, to like cost housing's probably the number one economically like mobility issue for me right now like Housing is definitely, I I can't afford to rent anymore. So that's why yeah. I, I live with my family. And my parents are just like, when I was your age, I'm like, yeah, when you were my age, you were married and living together and thinking about having kids. That's not that's not something that our generation like can do anymore. And sometimes I wonder, I, I do wonder if um, like that generational gap is a huge cause and issue of like housing, transportation, and mobility issues that we have
0: as far as like as far as like your like cohort and everything in in Downey, like are people sticking around or like are people moving out of the metro entirely?
1: People are sticking around. Um, we've gotten some emails from homeowners who are just like, over my dead body, like they're basically like, no, like this is our home. We're not moving. Uh, yeah. like this is not happening. like we're not gonna let it happen. and so, and for folks who are interested in getting involved in our work, we have a Facebook page, a Twitter. And an instagram page We're mainly active on the facebook page because a lot of the people that we're organizing with here in the community they mainly use facebook um so you go where the community goes and right now the community is at facebook um and so we're the happy city coalition we want to organize within the gateway cities so you don't have to be in downey to organize about this and one thing that i also want to emphasize for folks who are listening that highway expansions affect you like this highway expansion because of where we are in climate change and the climate crisis more carbon emissions means that this freeway expansion is going to impact people around the world that I will never see or meet and yeah. chances are like climate change is non-discriminatory it's going to affect everyone but the people who are going to be able to weather it better are going to be people who are more affluent who don't live near highways for example or who live who have the financial means to escape the problems that are being caused by essentially like Wealthy people who don't like how, who fight tooth and nail like Beverly Hills against transportation, uh, transportation in their backyard or housing in their backyard. And so, yeah, I, if you're listening, this freeway fight is very much your fight. Like, it's not just ours here in Downey.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty. I mean, and I, th- I think part like it's the human cost of, of everything being affected. And just on top of it, it's like $500 million a year. And in, in my mind, like, you would literally be better if you just threw the money in the trash. You know, it's, it is not only harmful because, oh, you're doing good stuff and people are getting hurt. Like everything you're doing is actively a step in the wrong direction. And that's just excuseless now. It's, I don't know.
1: It is. That's why we, uh, the happy city coalition streets for all LA along with uh, other organizations got together to form the destruction for another campaign to basically talk about the destruction of our uh, environment, the destruction of our community because of autocentric planning, and what has what what has it been for for Nada? Like the Nada part is a is a tip to our Spanish speaking uh, ki- Spanish speaking uh, community members, and it's just like it is frustrating. Freeway expansions actively make the urban environment worse by taking away space, like green space, taking away space from a park, an elementary school, uh, taking away homes. Actively hurts the environment by creating more carbon emissions, and then it makes traffic worse. So, like, you're really not, it's really not doing anything.
0: And, like, call me, I mean, call me kind of, like, nihilist, but, like, it's very hard, like, seeing it for, like, decades. Like, up in SF, like, you know, like, Rose Pack, like, famously was always supporting the Embarcadero Freeway, saying, like, oh, we can't do anything to knock this down. My community needs it too much. And it took an earthquake to to, to basically destroy it. Like, I think entrenched politicians even people who do a lot of good and mean well I just think there's way too much inertia and I think it's really great that I think you need to throw every bit against it but like it does feel like it like to take down something so so huge it takes more like like an act of God it takes something which is like an external force because just like and I I mean call me maybe optimistic but I really feel tomorrow if an earthquake, very narrowly knocked down all the highways and everything else was in place. It was just the highways. I feel within, within, you know, months or years, the city would actually function and heal in a better way. Like the best thing you could do is just use this money, just knock them down. You know, I don't know, but that's just so far out of the kind of what people are willing to accept.
1: Honestly, I, if in my ideal. Vision of what we do with all freeways in LA, we turn them into light rail. We turn them into we turn them into buses like bus lanes, like high like high speed bus lanes that get you connect you from city to city all over the place. Um, we invest in rail. We build housing along these corridors. We put green space along these corridors, like Boyle Heights, like the one park that they have, like the one park that I'm thinking of. Um, you can't really enjoy it because it's surrounded by two highways, and it's just like, what if we added more green space to the area, these areas that don't have any? What if we um, made these like community gathering space? Like, there's so many things that you could do with just the actual physical space that is a highway, because 1.5 million people live right near them. So that is a lot of that is a lot of valuable space that we can use to invest in to these 1.5 million people who are living nearby.
0: Yeah, it's I, I felt like LA is a particularly like just yeah, depressing example of like people like just looking at, you know, the misery of like, you know, housing insecurity, homelessness and then just kind of like day to day like misery of getting around. And like this like I think that like, you know, Metro and Caltrans wanna look at this as a purely technical problem of like, oh, if you had more money we could like fix it through more highways, but really it's you know, it's it's a political problem of just how do you use these resources in an equitable way, and it's just so depressing that like it's uh, it's just it, things don't have to be this bad. I don't know.
1: I, no, I agree with you. Things don't have to be as bad, and it's my hope that we have more political leaders who are not willfully ignorant and are looking to invest in more equitable outcomes for all communities. In, when it comes to transportation and housing because that's the only way we're going to get ourselves out of this mess.
0: Okay, yeah, so yeah, it's uh, so I think as far as just to go over kind of where people can go, and resources, uh destructionfornada.com, you know, cool, you know, I I think yeah, the the you know, kind of uh, the the data visualizations and everything are really cool, but uh, just in general, what's coming up? What matters? What are what are the different kind of like uh, ways to uh, to you know poke the beast and and see you know what you can affect things here?
1: Yeah, so we have this very big meeting with the Gateway Cog July seventh. Uh, we are not; it's probably going to be like five thirty-six. The agenda hasn't been posted yet, so we don't know what time. But we do know they're meeting that day. Um, so it's July seventh in the evening time, Pacific Center time, we're going to basically be meeting, making public comment for the larger Gateway COG board meeting to talk about this freeway expansion and how we want them to basically say no to the freeway expansion. Um, We need better alternatives. So if you're looking to get involved with that, uh, follow us on Facebook, the Happy City Coalition. Twitter is the Happy City Co. and Instagram is the Happy City Coalition as well. We post regular updates about what we're doing Um, Events, you'll find all our events on Facebook. We have them scheduled out to the end of the year, um, the big monthly meetings, and then for smaller events, we post them as they come along. Uh, And of course, our email, happycitycoalition at gmail.com. And then there is the website, destructionfernada.com that uh, has more information about the history of freeway expansions as a whole.
0: Well, great, and uh, I know I know you've you've made public statements in the past about how annoying all the Twitter Georges are, so it's very <laughs> big of you to to make time to to jump on this program no
1: yeah, happy to have you I say like I said, hate Georges, but I like Georgism.
0: great that's a, <laughs> a very healthy attitude uh, so yeah, so that sounds like that kind of uh gives everyone what they can can learn more things are turning along, but hopefully with more action, you know stuff will move in a better direction. So, yeah, thanks thanks for all the time and explanation. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. We have been talking to Alex Contreras. You can find details about all these actions in our show description as well as the Twitter feed. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at the website, seeTheCat.org. It's a presentation of KZSU, Stanford.